aloha o kona, hooipoi kamalie. Ano ai na hoa hoolohe e ia kākou i ia aina kaulana o kona. Kona i ke kai mā oki oki. Kona kai o pua i kalai, kahi i aloha ia e nali'i. Aloha everyone. Mahalo for joining us as we continue on our huakai, our journey around this Mokupuni, this island of Hawaii. We're now visiting the famous Moku or district of Kona, a land that is renowned for its tranquility, as in the words Leilani just shared, love remains close to Kona, who woos the calm. What magnificent imagery. Hi, and to all of you listening in, Velina Mai, welcome to Kaleo Kauluau. Aloha Lei, how are you doing? Mai ka'i, mahalo e Drew, pehea oi. Mai ka'i. We have another wonderful guest to share ma'olalo with everyone today. Would you mind introducing them, Lei? Hiki no. Lokea Loa is a native of Kona. They are a kia'i loko for Kaloko Fish Pond located in the Ahupua'a of Kaloko in the Moku of Kona. Loke received their Bachelor of Arts in Anthropology from the University of Hawaii at Hilo and their Master of Arts in Archaeology from Simon Fraser University in British Columbia, Canada. Since their return home, Loke is the po'o for Hui Kaloko Honokohau, a grassroots community effort activated and led on rehabilitating the cultural landscape focusing their energies on Kaloko Fish Pond. Today, Loke will be sharing practices of Kaloko that speak to the brilliance of the Ohana who have cared for this special place for generations and of the intentions of the group as the return of Kia'i Loko. Mahalo Lei. And with that, let's hear from Loke now. Welcome, Loke. It's great to have you here with us to share Mo'olelo of Kona. And before we start, I just want to extend a, a personal, profound mahalo to you for all that you've done in our island community to support and push forth Aloha Aina and having such an important role in helping to protect and secure this cultural environment. This is such important work, and I mahalo you for honoring the legacy of the generations um, before us through this work. Oh, thank you, mahalo. Aloha mai, kuuhoa. Mahalo nui for joining us today and sharing your leo with our listeners. As a strong, passionate kia'i whose aloha for the aina and kai is so fierce, as someone who's pilina with the kupuna and all the realms, you and your work speaks to my na'au, and your artistic soul continues to feed the community with your words of empowerment, urgency, and clear intentions. So I just want to mahalo you for all that you do for the lahui. I can't wait to hear mo'olelo about kaloko and your relationship with that vahi. Mahalo le. All right. Uh, aloha and mahalo for having me here today. Uh, I have the privilege and the opportunity to share about a place that I really love, and that is Kaloko Lokoi'a, or Kaloko Fish Pond. Uh, before I share more about this uh, special fish pond that I really, really love, um, I want to tell you a little bit about where it's actually located in Kona. Uh, and so Kona is, of course, one of the districts of our, of our island, and Kaloko is located uh, within our traditional boundaries of the Kekaha region. Uh, and the Kekaha region runs from the north, Anaiho'omalu, uh, and it runs all the way down to the south to Honokohau. And so this is where uh, we are one of the ahupua'a of Kaloko uh, that sits within the Kekaha region. Olelo um, no'eau, if you go to this place, Olelo uh, no'eau that's really common that you'll hear is the Kekaha vai ole ona kona. 
Uh, and that's really speaking to the seemingly dry area of these lands because we really don't have any streams flowing uh, above ground, like on the east side. Uh, but really, we are also very abundant in our waters, and we're really learning a lot about that today. Uh, and it flows beneath our feet in the groundwater or the aquifer. And this aquifer and this rich groundwater is what really makes the Kekaha region a really, really rich uh, fishing area for our kupuna. And so the Ahupua'a of Kaloko today is the best way to recall it is if you know where Costco is, you've probably been uh, in the Ahupua'a of Kaloko. Uh, to the north of us, uh, we have Kohanaiki, and to the south of us, we have Honokohau. And if you look to the east, if you're standing at our fish pond, uh, you would see Hualalai. And if off to the west, you would have the Konakaimalino, which is our peaceful seas, um, very, very different again from the east side. So Kaloko Fish Pond, if you're standing out on the local ia, what are you going to see? And what you're going to see is our local ia is a local kuapa. And so before we go any further, we have to understand what a local ia is. And a local ia is a fish pond. And what separates the fish pond from the broader ocean is that fish within the fish pond were generally intentionally raised. And so our kupuna understood through deep observation and pilina or connection the ways that the natural environment worked in order to uh, reserve their energies and and capture these fish and raise these fish and release these fish and consume these fish within the lokoia. And earlier, uh, briefly, I mentioned the Kikaha Vaiole. Our lokoia is fed by these groundwaters of the Kekaha region. And that is what allows us to be a fish pond. So without the waters of Kona, without those vai that's flowing, uh, we really wouldn't have a fish pond. And so we're in great deep gratitude uh, to the Akua and the vai that flows uh, into our lokoia. And so moving back to the physical makeup of what our lokoia is, uh, our lokoia is a kuapa lokoia. And that means that the kuapa is literally the backbone. It's the backbone of the fish pond, but it's also the rock wall. So when you're looking out on our fish pond, you're going to see a very, very massive rock, rock wall. And there's a time in history where this rock wall had fallen apart uh, into complete uh, disremains, and people were really just driving across of it. It kind of looked like a shallow reef. Uh, and I want to lift up Uncle Peter Kekka because it's actually Uncle Peter Kekka. Um, after everyone left the Lokoia, Uncle Peter spearheaded the efforts of dry stacking for our fish pond rock wall. And he worked on the wall as a young child, and he was the last one left, really, who was able to teach us and revive that art uh, of our rock wall stacking and also to perpetuate that practice. And so when we're moving from the kuapa, which is the backbone that makes our fish pond wall, uh, what we actually have there too, if you're walking along that wall, are two awai. And the awai are the channels uh, that cut into the rock wall. And these awai are really important for us at this fish pond because it allows for greater water to flow, exchange between the ocean and the fish pond, uh, the inside and the outside of the pond, because that's what draws the fish in. And so miraculously, of course, our kupu seeing that this bay would be a good place to put a fish pond and they built this rock wall this kuapa and knowing that we needed more water to be moving through this space uh, they put in this awai and awai are also really really um, ingenious systems because every lokoia is different we're not all the same uh, and so where ours are located one uh, was particularly
properly placed uh, for the fish to run and for them to catch the fish. Uh, and the other one was a shorter a shorter awai that they would just use uh, as a lane where the fish could more freely run within the fish pond. So we've covered two parts of the fish pond. Uh, another part I'm going to talk about today to talk about our makeup is the ki'opua. And ki'opua are nursery ponds. Uh, and so the nursery ponds within our fish pond, we have four. And they're really, really important uh, because they serve as safe havens for our pua or our fingerlings. Uh, these are areas where you'll find them likely in abundance, hiding from the big kaku or the barracudas that are out hunting them. Um, and what you'll also find back here which we're aiming for is uh, usually you'd see fish separated by size or type that was back here. And Koloko fish pond is commonly referenced for having a night or mullet, our native mullet, and also the ava, which is the milk fish. So those are two fish that were intentionally raised uh, within our fish pond. And for Koloko, uh, the biggest part of the pond, uh, which is the largest pool, is called Koloko Nui. And that's the largest part of our fish pond. And that's generally where all fish are, it's a free-for-all and everyone kind of stands on their own feet at that point. And so when we're looking at Lokoi'a, for me, uh, one of the things that I love about Koloko and our Kuapa is it's very romantic. Uh, it's a very, it's a, it's a kino of, of, Kanaka of us, of who we are as humans. And so you have the backbone and all of us need a backbone. We need a backbone to know who we are and how to stand. Without the backbone, we don't have any structure. We have the awai and that's the exchange or the life or the breath that allows us to breathe and to flow in this world. And it's also the breath of the fish pond that allow our ia to run in and out. Uh, and they're just tiny workers that are constantly, constantly working for us, uh, digging up the muds, allowing the limu to grow, curing them back bringing them forward again. Um, and then, of course, the ki'opu, which are our babies, our nurseries, uh, not only for today and yesterday, but also for tomorrow. And so the ki'opu are big baskets of vai or water, and they hold very sensitive uh, and special places for these young pua or these fingerlings uh, to grow and to mature. All right, and so... Talking today, I wanted to share a little bit about the Kia'i Loko because I'm a Kia'i Loko and that's a fish pond guardian. Uh, I'm not the first, and so I want to honor the Kia'i Loko and the Mo'olelo or the stories that inspire me in my practice uh, of being a Kia'i Loko today for Kaloko Loko Ia, or Kaloko Fish Pond. And so uh, one of the individuals I'll talk about first is Ohuna. And Ohuna is uh, a Chinese man. They talk about him. He's a Chinese man who married a Hawaiian woman. And they actually lived to the north in Kohanaiki. Um, and what he was is, uh, what he teaches me about Koloko is he honored the spiritual practices uh, that, we still, that we still strive to keep today. And so what that means is our fish pond has mo'o. And a mo'o is a, is a water guardian or water being, and many of us have them. And we actually have three at our fish pond uh, that are mentioned, um, that are the caretakers for our fish pond. And what Ahuna would do is he had a common practice, and the practice is the protocol of entry. And so every place has a proper way of entry, and that's what Ahuna teaches me as a previous kia'i loko, is entry and abundance. And proper entry can also equate to in abundance. And so what that means is generally for our fish pond, before you enter, you want to put down offerings uh, to the aina, to the loko, and to the mo'o. 
And so some of the offerings that he talks about Ohuna would uh, offer for to our mo'o is a roasted pig. And he would actually go to his friend, one of the ha'os, which is a big uh, Hawaiian kona family, and he would roast the pig and he would take the pua'a out onto our loko. And in our loko'i'a, we have our ahu. And these are ahu that we still honor and use today. And on these ahu, he would lay the pig down as an offering uh, to our mo'o ahine, uh, another offering that is also appropriate. And so we're talking about appropriateness is a lehala, uh, which was also put down uh, in these areas uh, historically by our, our previous kupuna. And of course, the i'a that are actually from the loko i'a. And so one of our mo'o ahine from our loko i'a is kiha wahine ikia na nea. Uh, which is also a mo'o that is associated with our other islands as well. And so one of the ways that you know that our mo'o is in our fish pond, um, and when you definitely don't go into it, is our fish pond waters actually turn red. And so if you can imagine the fish pond waters being kind of uh, bluish green normally, and there can be certain parts in a season where the waters, the entire fish pond waters turn red, and we've seen it ourselves, and it really looks like blood just being dispersed into the water, and it looks like a bleeding and a mixing of the two coming together. And so Ahuna is story to be a really abundant or a great kia'i loko who was able to harvest a lot of fish. And so one of the reasons why they say he could harvest a lot of fish is because he would always follow the ho'okupu and honor the ways of taking care of this fish pond and feeding the mo'o and giving thanks uh, for what was in this place. The second thing that Ahuna was known for is his generosity. He's mentioned for being a very, very generous individual. And so what does this look like in practice is his first catch was always redistributed to the community, the surrounding community that uh, lived in the area or also gave back to the fish pond. And so they say he would fish the fish pond and he would load these ia up on the backs of donkeys because back then they never have roads, but there's a lot of old trails, the Makai trails, the trails that run north to south as well. And he would walk the road with his friends and they would give out these ia. And even if the person wasn't home, they would leave the fish with a neighbor to make sure that they were able to also... Um, eat from the loko i'a and it wasn't really until his second catch and the second catch was one that was more so for share for selling um off of on the market and other things and so if you're looking at the practice for me as a kia loko it's honoring the spiritual practices the things that we can't see that we know are there uh, that are also having their own energies and overseeing this space. And then also to uh, the intangibles of what it means to be a human and a good-hearted human uh, and sharing the abundance of the Okua because these things belong to the higher beings. Another group that I wanted to mention uh, is the Mokuai Kai. And Mokuai Kai is actually the name of an individual, but this individual actually formed a fishing hui. And the fishing hui story of Mokuai Kai, I really just read like three lines in a book that mentioned them. And it talked about this individual who acquired the lease. And so historically, the pond had started to be leased. And so this individual goes and he gets others to join with him. But he didn't just go and find any old being, you know, back days. They, they really stuck with uh, those who were close to them. And so you see other fishing families come forward who joined this hui. And you see the Kahana Nui's, you see the Kua Kahela, you see the Kainuku. And so there's others as well. And what really happens is they're either family or like family. Because the ways that you need to work together when it comes to Malama Lokoi'a, 
Uh, it's really a kind of magic that you, you cannot just roughly pick. And so when you pick with those who are closest to your heart, uh, just as the lokoi or the fish pond is, then the work becomes a lot lighter and it also becomes a lot more uh, enjoyable. And the third family, which is still a really, really big family uh, in Kwana that I want to talk about is the Kiana Aina Ohana. Uh, and the Kiana Aina Ohana have some of the most uh, written and shared information about us uh, with those who have cared for the fish pond once before. And so the fish in the fish pond, if you've ever seen or if you ever tried to go catch fish, they're very, very akamai. They're very smart. And so you always want to be careful with when and how you harvest because the fish will learn your harvesting techniques and they can sense your movements in the water. And so the Kiana Aina practices, some that we talk about is entry into the fish pond. And so in the entry in the fish pond, uh, some of the ways that we know when we've gone too far is when we go above our waist. And so generally, if you're entering into the fish pond, even if you're on a canoe or a va'a, you're only going into the pond up to your waist into the mud. And in our pond, we have fireworms and basically that's centipedes that swim. And it's talked about in the literature of people getting really horrible uh, inflammation or really bad rashes uh, from these fireworms that live uh, in the mud there. And so folks usually only go up to their waist uh, and then they will jump inside of the va'a. And then at that point, you really can paddle. And that's these are practices that we continue today. And so during the winter season, when the markets were there, what would happen is they would go out and they would basically lay net. And so they would run different crosses about five different ways they would lay their net across the fish pond at night and they would pipe pie or they would chase the fish and they would chase the fish and they would harvest the fish. And the fish that they were harvested was said to be some of the most ono fish that you were able to eat. Like it was waited for, uh, for, for the seasons, for the holidays. So it's talked about in Christmas time. It's also talked about at about New Year's. And the kupuna, they loved, they waited for the fish from Koloko Fish Pond. And the way that they love to eat their fish is they love to put them inside an emu. It's always talked about emu eating of the fish. And so this is one of the ways. So they would go and harvest and they started to take them down to the market and different families have different practices. But a lot of times we have a trail system that runs and it's a huge trail, but it runs from our fish pond and it runs to down Kailua and it runs to the pier. And so what they would do is, again, they would load up the backs of the donkey uh, in the, you know, they always say like the krakatin or like the kerosene can. That's how they talk about them. And they would put limu inside these, these cans, these tins, because they never have ice. And then the fish that they would harvest, they would load them inside these cans. And then they would send them on top of the donkey's back down to Kailua, down to the pier when it was really booming and bustling and would be offloaded. And they said, you know, some of these kekake, they were so ma'a or so used to this route. They would just send them and the donkeys would go and they would deliver them. <laughs> and then they would come back you know like that's how <laughs> smart these these and donkeys can usually be very stubborn you know and so they had a very it talks to the, the close companionship um that these individuals had with their with their donkeys uh, they were much more than pets and so this is one of the practices but again referring to not wanting to catch fish constantly uh because the fish are so intelligent they'll learn but also because you'll deplete your you deplete the fish and so you want to be careful with how much you take and when you're taking fish and so another fishing technique 
technique that's commonly used uh, in the fish pond is when the seas were too rough, uh, often you, they would go and build emu near the uh, entryway of the awai. And so that was also another common practice. And so you can still see, you know, some mounts here and there, families still practicing, and they would build them right by the awai, and they would wait, and they would allow the fish to occupy the area, and of course, throw net and throw net over these structures in order to to catch their fish and to consume year round. And so what I tried to share here is I tried to share about the spiritual relationship of honoring uh, these sacred beings like our mo'o who are still there and still seen as guardians uh, of the present, uh, not just the past and the ways to honor them through appropriate ho'okupu and fishing practices. So you don't just usually go and fish into the fish pond. Uh, there's usually an offering that's given to the place to thank the place for the abundance uh, that it's offering forward. And then you can ask your way for entry. Uh, there's also the hui, the hui and the ways that the huis operate uh, as family members or close family members who oversee and are caretakers. And the thing is, the food is usually distributed again uh, to the hui members, their families and those who come because taking care of lokoi'a or fish pond is, is, is huge work. It takes many, many hands. And then thinking to the kiana aina practices, it shows the ingenuity and the ways to adapt like the fish to give them life and to allow them a time to spawn. And so it reinforces the importance of the kapu and knowing how to fish and when to fish and how much to take and the ways that we as humans can adjust to these places. Um, in order to give them life. And through all of these mo'olelo, you'll read or you'll hear a lot of the kupuna talk about the vaivai, the vaivai, or, you know, this concept of aina momona. And, and the things that we're hearing today, it's really mo'olelo when they're talking about one cast, go home, pau, eat, share, everybody can go sleep. That's because that's how abundant our, our, our oceans were at one point and including Koloko fish pond and the ways that the mouths of Kupuna would salivate in order to eat that fish, <laughs> you know, once, twice a year. And they wanted them in the emu. They knew how they wanted them too, right? And so over time, what had happened at our fish pond is there was no longer kia'i loko. And for different reasons, uh, the kia'iloko were no longer there. And so upon re-entry, moving us to where we are today, um, the kia'iloko wasn't, wasn't cared for. It was about, you know, maybe like five, six decades uh, since our hui has returned to this very special place um, as, as keepers of this place, as caretakers of this place, uh, to really malama and to bring back that vaivai of the loko ia specifically and to allow our kupuna or elders to eat once again uh, from these waters, to reenact in our bodies, to make our own mo'olelo um, of these practices of the ohana who came before and not forgetting where we come from and re remembering the generosity or the aloha of the kupuna in making sure the ohana are fed first and that's always the priority. Uh, and then also to honor the old ways and to give thanks to the sacred beings uh, who are really elemental beings that give life to us as humans on this earth. Mm. Beautiful. Mahalo for sharing. Yeah, I, I, mahalo nui loke. I really enjoy the the overall picture of the alignment of not only the land and water and the people, but the spiritual aspect and how you're supposed to behave in these spaces and, and really honor the culture. You don't just show up and start doing whatever you want. You know what I mean? It, it takes a lot of work and 
if you don't come with the right lavena, you shouldn't enter those spaces. Mahalo. One of the names that you mentioned was a huna, and you spoke to the practices of that time. But when would you say that was, or or where did you hear the mo'olelo of this person? So Ahuna, they believe that he had um, been the caretaker for the pond in the, about the 1920s to 1924. So between that period. Uh, and actually, if you're interested in learning more, you can read Marion Kelly. And she did some of the earliest ethno-historical archival work. Uh, it's a really great source uh, for learning about our fish pond. And uh, other mo'olelo that were shared here today come from Kepa Mali. And he had interviewed a lot of the kupuna that have already passed on and really great fishers uh, and kama'aina lava'i'a of Kona. Loke, it's been several years since I've been to Koloko, and I'm just trying to like revisualize um, with the with the fish pond lokoia and um, and the way that you described what they look like and how large they are, and and maybe just the shape of the kuapa. Um, the size of the lokoia, uh, the fish pond itself, is about 11 acres in size, wow. and so the fish pond wall is about over 700 feet long. Wow. Um, and then also, if you're looking at width, the width of our fish pond changes, um, and you see this width mimic actually the ocean structure or the makeup of the ocean. And so what that means is, if you're walking out uh, from the closest point to the ocean, from the excess point, uh, you'll see it funnel, and so it goes from narrow to large opening up uh, and then it closes again at the end and again that's to mimic the uh, movement of the ocean waves that are coming in and so our winter swells that hit the wall are maybe 8 to 15 feet in height and it's so explosive if you're there during the winter uh, you'll actually see the waves hit the front of the wall and the back will just explode like a dynamite had just hit it and the construction of the wall is actually really unique as well uh, because it's meant so that it won't when the, those large waves come, it, the walls will start to fall. So there's a series of walls that are built with that intense fill or the haka haka uh, that's on the interior um, of the fish pond wall. Mm. Oh, that's ingenious to mimic the, the ocean's effects. That's perfect. Yeah, and you know, uh, you gotta, yeah, you also, you know, in the literature, and if you're looking at the ways people care for the pond, it's not a, it's not a 90 degree angle in fish pond wall architecture, uh, and so the walls always have to have an angle to them generally, and that angle is to be able to withstand the force of the ocean because we can't stop the ocean, but we can try to adjust our practice so that it's not as damaging to the kuapa. And so today you'll see a straight wall. Uh, some of the other practices talk about the wall just being rounded uh, because it was just too much work or maybe more practical to just lift those rocks and set them back up. Uh, and another practice is actually paw that were out in the ocean. And those were break walls that were intentionally built to try and slow the impact of the waves that would hit the kuapa. And, and Loke, I'm really struck by um, what you mentioned too about the, um, the importance of kapu, of um, conserving fish and ensuring that their lives are, are not only long enough, but also um, quality, the quality of the lives of the fish as well. And what you described to me sounds like, you know, a very sustainable practice. Could you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, and so um, and sharing more about the fish or the fish pond, I can talk a little bit about um, the growth rate of the fish so people can get an idea about, you know, 
how it's important to try and understand these systems of where you're at uh, and the type of fish and the ways that they grow. And so if you're looking at uh, a pool or the pool ama or the ava, they're about uh, two inches, yeah, two to four inches. And so that's in one growth cycle, you have a two to four inch spurt and that's a rough approximation. And so generally, if you're using our Hawaiian units of measurements, some of them say that at about 16 inches or so, that's when you can start to consume them, which is also oftentimes linked with the reproductive cycle of the fish. And so if a fish is growing about two to four inches, depending on the environment and the conditions a year, uh, really what that equates to is it takes about four years to five years or even more uh, for a fish to properly uh, mature, especially under the declining uh, ecosystems that we're facing here in Hawaii. And so when you go and take a fish and the fish hasn't reached reproductive cycle and it's a little bit too early, that was four years years in the making and if you catch it right before that fourth year that's that's how much damages are accruing and if everyone's taking ER that is a little bit too soon uh, that is also you know it's equating to why our oceans are going empty and so trying to uh, learn more about these places the fishes and what's appropriate and also reminding ourselves of why we should leave today um, it's for years down the road generations to come mm -hmm. that's so important Mahalo for that, Loke. As a kia'i loko and as a community person who strives to bring forth these practices and educate, what is your vision moving forward for the local? Can you see this aina momona? Can you see our com communities eating once again from the local? You know, if it. Uh I can see our communities eating again from these fish ponds and these places like Koloko Fish Pond. And a big part of it is um, these places need us, but it doesn't need us to um, to come and to, to just take on our own terms and conditions. These places need us to show up for them. And showing up for them looks like showing care. Um, maybe on that extra weekend, uh, going out to the fish pond and we have work days to come out uh, and to get to know these places that are literally feeding you and nourishing your bodies. And so, yeah, I think within my lifetime, what is my goal? My goal is to pull as much weeds as I can because my golly, I don't like the next generation be pulling weeds. Uh, it's to give them a step ahead because we came in steps behind uh, due to things that have happened to our people and our culture. And so these places can be full vai vai again. And we really have to listen to the mo'olelo to believe that these ways once existed and it's not make-believe. The, the clouds of kolea that were migrating those clouds can happen again. That one throw, pow, go home, everybody eat, pow, sleep. We can have those catches again, but it takes showing up to these places, the ways that we are treating our aina and our vai, uh, and the ways that we care for each other and we help each other because a lot of this work, I'm sitting here in this chair, there's a whole community of hands and hearts um, that stand beside me, many growing in front of me, um, and our babies that'll be definitely leading the way uh, but within our lifetime we will be eating fish from this local uh. yes okay how can our listeners contribute or how can they support Koloko if folks are interested in coming out into the fish pond, uh, we have our Laohana, our family days, and they're the last Saturday of every month. Uh, but we also host educational groups um, and others down at the fish pond throughout the month, uh, and they can contact uh, the Hui for further information and scheduling.
Mahalo for that. Mahalo for being with us today. We've learned so much from you and about um, Lokuia practices and, and specifically about koloko and this invaluable, super important information that you shared. And we're for that, we're eternally grateful, Loke. And it's been really fun to be with you as well. Yes, the the image is still stuck with me about how you speak of the Lokuia being a body and how you speak to the kuapa being that spine that you know that helps you stand upright and and when i envision the local being a person and you think of all the various systems that are part of the local not just the water not just the fish but also the birds that come and the people that come there's so many things reliant upon each other it's, it's such a beautiful thing to think of that everything is so intertwined and you shared so many different mo'olalo with us, so mahalo. Mahalo. That was fantastic. We learned so much about lokoi'a, the practices surrounding them, the spirituality ingrained in the work, the history of kaloko and its kia'i, the ingenuity of our kupuna, and how they adapted to the ocean. We even learned just how long it takes for fish to grow before they are ready to be harvested. Yes, what Loke has shared really resonates with what I hear in our community. Integrate Hawaiian protocol, practice reciprocity, be truly sustainable, honor our cultural landscapes. Ka ko'o. Mahalo again for lending your ears to this episode of Kaleo o Kauluau. Please be sure to join us on every 1st and 15th of the month when we release new episodes. Don't forget to visit our blog at hilo.hawaii.edu slash blog slash kaleo kauluau to follow along with the story maps. And check us out on Facebook and Instagram for more. Until next time, everyone. Ahui ho. Aloha. Aloha.